Hi, I wanted to welcome you to the Divorce Planning Podcast. I'm Carrie Goldring, and I'm in the mortgage business, and I do planning pre-divorce for people who are either going to refinance their home, do an equity buyout, or plan to purchase a new home and make sure that everything in the divorce decree is worded properly and the numbers and the planning is taken care of so that you can go through the underwriting process smoothly. And I would like to introduce you to other people who are interested in the divorce planning process so you can get a real education of what's involved. Hope you enjoy. Hi, today I want to introduce David Wexler, who's my business partner that I happen to work with on a daily basis. Hi, David. Hey, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I thought maybe you could just introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about what you do. Perfect. Well, my name is David Wexler, as you said. Uh, you and I have worked together now for over 12 years or going on 12 years. I've been originating mortgages for a little over a decade now. But in reality, what I do is kind of vanilla. There are over 100,000 lenders out there doing the exact same thing. But I'd actually like to ask you a little bit about what you do differently than what I do. Sure, that'd be great. So you're a certified divorce lending professional. There are not many of you out there. And tell people, like, can you explain to me in a way, what, what does that mean? So what that, what, and thanks for, for doing this, because I don't think I've ever had anyone introduce me on my own podcast. <laughs> so I have a special designation, which is called CDLP, which stands for Certified Divorce Lending Professional, which means I've gone through a lot of training, a lot of classes, taken exams, written papers, going through not, so when you do a loan, you're looking at it as a transaction, basically. So someone calls you and they say, I want to buy a house. What do I qualify for? You go through the process that I would go through. What's your name, address, social security number? Think about loan programs and say, yep, you qualify. Go look at a house for this. What I do is more the planning piece before I get to the transaction part. So I could be starting with someone who's contemplating going through divorce or who is at the very beginning stages of going through divorce, trying to figure out how much support they need or where their income is going to come from to be able to qualify to keep their current home or to purchase a new home. What debt do they have that maybe needs to be assigned to their spouse? How long do they need to receive child support or spousal support? What is the logistics of selling a home, getting money, paying off debt, like kind of step-by-step step how the whole process works while keeping the housing component in mind. And sometimes I can work with someone for, you know, a minute and it could go all the way up to a year and sometimes past a year as they go through the divorce process. So every time they meet with the attorney or a mediator, they're calling me back and saying, okay, we agreed on this. We agreed on this. Now, how does that change what we talked about? And then we plan again and just going through the process. And then when they're ready to make mortgage application, then I kind of do what you do and turn it into a transaction. That makes sense. So it's safe to say that your follow-up skills are fairly strong in comparison to like the average lender when they say that a buyer usually buys a house within 30 days of them talking to you. 
but it depends. Like if someone's doing a collaborative case on their divorce, they may be meeting with their divorce team once every six weeks. So then we're talking once every six weeks. I could have someone who's in the middle of mediation and they may have a mediation appointment once a week. So then we're talking once a week. Sometimes I'll have people call me and say, hey, I'm in mediation tomorrow and it's four hours and I need to know that you're going to be available to me if something comes up during mediation, if I need to make a decision like right now so that I can be on the phone and run numbers for them and say, yep, you can agree to that. No, you shouldn't agree to that. Or, you know, I don't give the legal advice part, but we talk about what you can and can't do to get qualified for a loan. And if someone's in a traditional divorce environment where who knows when something's going to come up or not, you know, I could talk to someone once a week and then not for four months and then once a week again. So it can be all over the map. What would you say is like your why? What, why CDLP? Where, why did you pick this avenue to focus your business on? Thank you for asking that. So when I went through my divorce, even though I was already working with people going through divorce and was in this business, so I was pretty savvy compared to most from the financial position, I really felt that there was no one good to talk to and there was no specialist out there. And anytime I talked to the attorney, I was either a little bit intimidated or I'm thinking about, oh my God, they're charging me per hour every time I talk to them. And there wasn't really the planning and the what's happening next. I felt like it was always hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And I didn't really get what was happening. And when I had this opportunity and learned about the CDLP and that I can incorporate this into my job to help other people going through the process, and they don't have to think about what they're paying me per hour because I don't charge an hourly fee or a retainer fee that I can just spend time with someone explaining what are you going to expect when you go to mediation? What if you ask for this? What if you ask for this? What's the outcome of that? And just trying to get really creative and think about different options so that when they do go talk to their attorney, they're better prepared and they have a better understanding that they're happy enough with me. So when they do need a mortgage to purchase or refinance, that they use me for that transaction because then I get paid by our employer. So I like it. It is truly my passion to be able to help someone who doesn't think that they're going to be able to keep their home or they don't think they're going to financially be able to make it to show them that they can or teach them how. Just it it warms my heart to no end. And I just feel so lucky to be a part of that rebuilding process as people go through it. That's great that you truly are passionate about it. I hear the stories that you tell me all the time about different scenarios and situations where you come in and I'm pretty sure you told me something along the lines of if someone doesn't cry in a way that's like a joyful cry at the end of your calls, you might not feel that you completely gotten everything out of it that you needed to. Can you explain that a little bit more? Like how the emotions go sometimes in your calls, like these people are going through a very, very difficult process and you're coming in as some independent third party that they might not know at all. Right. So they're, they're, you know, they don't know anyone 
You don't, when you're going through the divorce process, most of the time you don't want to talk to your own family because you don't want their opinions coming in. You don't know which friends are going to repeat what to who. And everyone's throwing all this advice at you without having any more than maybe their own situation to talk to you about. So when someone calls me and I'm involved in four or five divorces a month, and I'm talking to thousands of people a year, and I can say that really shouldn't matter, or that typically does, or you want to bring that up to your attorney, or that needs to be discussed with a tax professional, or you need to talk to a financial planner for that. And really helping guide through the process, I think I give like a really nice sigh of relief to people or letting them know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel when they didn't think there was going to be one. And most of the time, the reaction is that somebody ends up crying because they're just so grateful and relieved of our conversation. And not that I want to sit and make people cry, but when I hear that emotional release, I just, I just feel so good. Like, like, that shows me that I really made a huge impact on someone who may have been afraid to call me in the first place. Yeah, I feel like it's probably a scary call. You're going through something, you're on an island, and as you said, everybody has their two cents, but their two cents very well might not be the right information that they need. So that's great that you're there as their sounding board with so much experience to be able to say, you know, I've seen this, or hey, I'm not an expert at this, you should talk to this expert, where in today's day and age with the internet, everybody feels like they can be an expert. That's really, really cool. Where in the process of a divorce do you ideally come into play? If you could pick your part of where you should be interjected into the process, where where's the most ideal spot? I'd love to come in as close to the beginning or before the beginning as possible, because I don't think anyone can get educated too soon. And a lot of times the way the mortgage world connects with the divorce world and the credit world, common sense does not always apply. So people may think they're doing the right Thing or they're prepping the right way to find out that they're putting their foot in their mouth. And the more that I can do to give someone the guidelines and the consequences to actions and kind of be the sounding board, I think the better off everybody is in the long run. Because when someone gets me involved towards the end and they've already agreed to things and made decisions, then it's really hard to go back and change them. So I just talked to someone this morning whose attorney gave them a bunch of different scenarios of spousal support so they can get more money for a shorter period of time or less money for a longer period of time. And of course, they're thinking the more money I get, the better and I can qualify for my loan. But it didn't meet the requirements that we needed of how long someone needed to receive the income and how long prior to approval and how long needed to receive income after closing. So it was really good that she called me before their mediation because I don't want her in mediation paying astronomical amount of money for two attorneys and a mediator to fight for something that isn't really in their best interest. No, that is perfect. I was actually going to ask you for like an example of where 
like you come into play there. Um, what would you say is like an example of when you're brought in too late? What are the repercussions a potential buyer could face um, when trying to purchase a new home? If you're brought in, say, post-divorce or towards the end of a, a divorce, do you have any examples or just a hypothetical? For a purchase? Yeah, say for a purchase. So here's here's a really good one that comes up when I'm not involved often. So someone has a marital home that e that their spouse is keeping and then they need to go buy a new house. So the spouse ends up doing a cash out refinance to get m equity or money out of that house to give to the spouse that's leaving to go buy the new house. And the cash out refinance is really not the vehicle to do that through. So then they give their spouse the money and they come to me for a mortgage to buy a new home. And our underwriters say, where did the money come from? And we say it came from the sale of our marital home. Well, then we get the closing statement on the marital home and there's nothing on there saying that the money went to them. It says the money went to their ex-spouse or their spouse. So even though they own the home because it wasn't done correctly, now we got to go back to this ex-spouse, ask them to do what's called a gift letter showing that they gift that they received the money and that they gifted it to the spouse to go buy the new home. One, that gets super messy. Two, I don't even know if there's a gift tax involved in that or not. So we always have to check with the person who prepares their tax returns. And now we're dealing with an ex-spouse saying that they're giving them money to go buy a new house, which wasn't even true in the first place. So just the whole layup of that is just wrong, obviously. And there's a much better, easier way to do that. Yeah, I think it's probably safe to say not all divorces are amicable and coming and asking an ex to do things for you after going through this process sometimes can get a little difficult, right? Right, or they're on vacation or they're not answering their phone or they're afraid to fill something out because they don't know if they should or they shouldn't and now they're not in contact with their attorney anymore. Besides the fact that it isn't even really a gift because they were the owner of the home, it's, it ends up becoming the workaround and you shouldn't have to do the workaround if it was set up the right way to begin with. No, that makes sense. And would you say, it, oh, is it safe to say some of the rules that you know when it comes to divorce planning may be different in structuring than say someone who's not certified as a CDLP? I think, I mean, the guidelines are the guidelines. I think my brain is trained to read the guidelines coming from a divorce perspective where your brain reads the guidelines and you get creative on people purchasing and how to get them into a new home, maybe with down payment assistance or things that wouldn't be top of mind to me, where I look at it with a divorce hat on. So the stay home parent who never worked before or someone who's getting support payments or different things like that are top of mind to me. So when I'm reading the guidelines, I'm looking at them with a different eye than you're looking at them, even though we're looking at the same thing. 
No, I, I learn new things from you all the time in regards to your guideline reading that actually help me assist just regular home buyers. So the way you look at it is absolutely amazing. Um, where do you typically like operate? Like where are you licensed to do business? Is it uh, other states? Do you focus solely in Michigan? I am licensed in Michigan and I am familiar with the Michigan court system. I am mostly familiar with Oakland County, even though obviously I can work anywhere in Michigan and talk to the attorneys, but every state has their own nuances for divorce. So I don't like to get involved in other states because of that, even though I know you're licensed in other states and we can we can work that way with you. Um, and being part of the CDLP, I'm part of a nice core knit group of people. So if anything does come up in another state, at least I feel like I have someone very strong to refer business to. Very good. And then how many CDLPs are there roughly in the state of Michigan right now? I think there's seven. Seven. So you're one of seven. I think I'm pretty sure I'm one of seven and I'm there's not out of that seven, we're not all a hundred percent practicing full-time working in the family law industry. So there might be three of us. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say that there is either thousands or tens of thousands of licensed loan officers in the state of Michigan, and you are one of like seven that actually know this through and through, and maybe even three that's practicing. That's absolutely incredible. Yes. And that's why I love working with you because then I don't step on my own toes and I can really concentrate on the family law business. And whenever someone is looking to purchase or refinance, it's nice that I have you to trust and take care of that a hundred percent. So it doesn't stop me from doing what I truly love to do and be helpful where I know I'm best suited to be helpful. That's uh, good to know. And then let's do something that's not 100% CDLP mortgage related. When you are not helping people navigate their divorce through a mortgage uh, lens, what do you like to do for fun outside of work? I like to cook. Um, I'm really big on working out, as you know, and I've recently started playing pickleball, which I've been finding very fun. The fastest growing sport in America right now. It's, it's, you know what, I'm not a sports person and I'm definitely not a team sports person. And this is something that I feel I can actually do, which is great. Perfect. So we can, people can find you on the pickleball court. They can find me on the pickleball court or the gym, right? Or really the best way to get a hold of me is texting me on my cell phone, which is 248-420-4524. Two, four, and if someone is looking to just do a regular purchase or refinance, then they can contact me. And I hope you enjoyed our podcast on divorce planning. I'm Carrie Goldring, and I hope you have a great day. 